Welcome to Not A Christian Podcast. It's not a Christian podcast. It's a podcast that just happens to be Christian. In this podcast, we tell stories, we talk about life, faith, and pretty much anything else you can imagine. Now let's jump into it. Welcome back to the show. It's Not a Christian Podcast, episode 14, right here on Friday. Oh, no. No. Sorry. Episode 31 on May the 14th. Friday, May the 14th. Hope you have a good weekend plan. I'm going to be on the road again, but here we are right now, and I'm going to warn you, there's a little construction going on in the apartment next to mine. I came home from work today. And I heard like someone drilling in a wall and I kid you not, I thought like the maintenance people had come into my apartment and were doing something in the bedroom and I walked in and they didn't say anything. It was that loud, but I walked in there to make sure and it was, it was the apartment next door. So if you hear some noises, just, just bear with me. I'll try to edit that out, but they are doing some work over there. Something really random that I was thinking about today that doesn't have really anything to do with anything and doesn't really affect my life at all. But do y'all remember when restaurants had smoking sections and of course non-smoking sections? Like it just blows my mind that there was a time in my lifetime that you could just go into a restaurant and sit there and smoke like, does, does that not bother anyone that that was acceptable, at least in the state of Texas until probably like, I don't know, 15 years ago? I mean, I remember this one restaurant we'd go to as a kid. I, I loved this restaurant, still love it. Jake and Dorothy's Cafe in Stephenville, Texas. Incredible food. Maybe the best chicken fried steak I've ever had. Definitely the best waffle fries I've ever had. Really solid burger at that place. Been open since the beginning of time. But I remember as a kid, they had a, the front room was non-smoking. And if you wanted to go to the smoking section, I believe that was the back room. Or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe the front room that everybody had to walk through was smoking. Because now that I think of it, I think I remember like the waitresses would just come out in that main room and hang out at a table where nobody was and they would just smoke. And so I don't really know. I think it's kind of, kind of wild that those used to exist. But but this restaurant, Jake and Dorothy's in Stephenville, man, it smelled, it reeked in there. It was very strong. And you came out, you were smelling like a dang cigarette. And that place, like I said, it'd been open for years. That cigarette smoke has permeated into the wall, into the floor tiles. It's stuck in there. So and and the most recent time I've been in there, you can you can still tell like there's been some cigarettes smoked in that room in the past. But anyway, that like that was a random thought. I'm glad we don't have those anymore uh, because there's really not much that's less appetizing than like the smell of cigarette smoke while you eat. I'm not really for like the government putting its nose into everything, but I'm kind of glad I don't have to deal with that anymore smoking sections. Wow. Anyway, it feels like it's 
it's been a while since I've done this because it's been like a week and a half since I recorded the last episode because I had to record it early in the week, get it uploaded. And But I went to Nashville, Tennessee since the last time I, I talked at you. That was pretty fun. Went to Went to Tennessee and let me just tell you, I am not usually this guy that just has like phenomenal luck wherever I go. Not necessarily a bad luck guy, but never have just like incredible luck. But let me tell you, Tennessee, Tennessee was beautiful. And because of the luck I had when I was there, thinking about moving there. Not really, although it was really nice weather. And there were actually trees there. So first of all, the trees. Okay, we'll get to the good luck here in a minute. The trees almost made me feel claustrophobic. For for my entire life, I've lived in places where you could like see most of the sky at all times. Comanche, Texas is like the most uh, wooded area I've ever lived in. And if you've ever been to Comanche, Texas, you know that it's not very wooded. Not exactly lust. Not lust. Lush. Lush rainforest. So, sorry. Sorry, got lust on the brain. <laughs> No, I don't. I'm kidding. Just kidding. It's a joke. But Comanche, Texas, not exactly the most lush place in the world, but it's the the most or the least desert-like I've ever lived in. I've lived in San Angelo, Texas and Abilene, Texas. Both of those places very flat. You can see the sky pretty much wherever you go. Trees aren't really typically taller than like, I don't know, 15 feet. And then now I live in Alpine and Trees are not very tall. We do have mountains, so those kind of block the view of the sky. But in Nashville, Tennessee, there are trees everywhere. And they're tall. They're very green. So, like, if you're driving on a road, there's just trees on both sides. And and the way I saw it was, like, we were always, like, on the outskirts of town. You know, it's like, oh, we're in the wooded area before you actually get into the city. But that wasn't the case. There were just trees everywhere. And honestly, when I was outside, started to feel a little claustrophobic because I am used to seeing sky everywhere I go. Lots of sky. I don't know. I feel like if that was a place where I lived, there would be some serious adjusting that had to go on in order to to not live a claustrophobic, worried, scared, anxious lifestyle. So anyways, that that's one of the first things I noticed. Let's get let's get to my good luck. Okay, so we, we show up in in Nashville and there's, you know, probably about 50 or 60, you know, Texas BSM people that I work with at this conference as well. So I knew a lot of people there. That, that was a lot of fun. First time I got to see a lot of them in, in like over a year. But we show up to the hotel the first night and the way we do things on, you know, BSM trips is, is we, we share hotel rooms. You know, it's cost effective. I show up to the hotel that night and one of my bosses has the, the rooming list on her phone. And to those of us who are waiting in line, she's going through and saying like, hey, this person is your roommate. Well, she shows me the list and she says, hey, this is your roommate. I don't know who it is. And I didn't know who it was either. I'm assuming he might be new or part-time, but you know, it was somebody that works with BSM. So I said, okay, you know, it's it's not the first time that that's I would have experienced that. You know, just showing up to a BSM event, meeting your roommate like in the room. You walk in at nine o'clock at night, be like, hey, I'm Kyle. We're gonna go to bed 
beside each we did have separate beds i will i will say that but we're gonna go to bed beside each other here in an hour so let's kind of do some small talk get to know each other a little bit try to make this you know the least amount of awkward we can and like i said i've done it before so it's not like it's not just some complete rando stranger it's at least someone i'm like okay this person works for bsm so they're probably not gonna murder me tonight they're probably not gonna do anything too weird in my presence but it's just you know meeting someone and then an hour later laying in separate beds next to each other it's 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 just a little awkward no matter how you you cut it well we show up to the hotel get to my room about 9 15 i'm dead tired because i you know i woke up uh like six that morning to to go to the airport and whatnot and so it's 9 15 i'm ready to go to bed but i'm like my roommate's gonna get here and i don't want him to like walk in the room while I'm asleep and then he would feel bad. So so I wait up for about 45 minutes till 10 o'clock and finally I'm just like, you know what? I'll just let him walk in and he can feel bad for it. No, uh, I would have told him it was fine. But anyway, I go to bed about 10 o'clock. I fall asleep and then slept very well. Was not interrupted when my roommate came in which I was very surprised by when my alarm went off at 7 o'clock in the morning. The alarm goes off. I shut it off. I look over at the other bed. It is still completely made because my roommate never showed up. And now I realize that he's just like he's, he's not coming, and he never did. So that was the, the good luck getting started. So he didn't show up. You know, that, that first day didn't show up the second day or the third day either. So, I mean, I had a... I, I had a room, a hotel room, all to myself for two nights, and I don't, there is just something about having a hotel room to yourself. You know, it's, there's just, I don't know what it is. I don't particularly love staying in hotels, but just having it to yourself, it's, it's, it's such a great experience. You can just kind of do whatever you want. You can turn the air to whatever you want. You can get up whenever you want. You can go to bed whenever you want. Uh, it was it was fantastic. So I'm sure my roommate was a great guy. would have would have had a fun time meeting him. But having a hotel room to yourself is pretty dang nice. Uh, so that was that was the beginning of the good luck. We get back on the plane to come back, and I know several people on the plane. You know, several people from BSM had just happened to have the same flights going back from Nashville to Dallas DFW, and I I get on the plane. I'm in one of the last boarding groups. And something I don't understand is when you're doing like the check-in, it gives you the option. It's like, hey, you can pay like $26 to be in an earlier boarding group. And my thinking is, why would I pay $26 to spend more time on a plane? So decline that. So I'm in like group seven, which is one of the last ones to board. I'm walking back to my seat and it's, it's very close to the back, like row 30 out of like 33 or 34, I think. And I have a window seat. And when I get there, I put my bag in the overhead bin and there is one person in the aisle seat. So I say like, hey, this is my seat. She lets me in. And then like people are starting to come into the plane. Like I said, we're, we're groups, I'm group seven out of eight. And then all of a sudden there's like three people left like still to find their seats and the girl sitting in the aisle seat next to me there's an empty seat in between us she's like oh maybe this person won't show up I'm like oh yeah that would be nice those three people sit down so we're just like oh my gosh this might be our lucky day and then two more people get on 
and we're like, okay, they were they were late boarding, and one lady has a seat up close to the front, and this other guy, he's coming back. He's kind of a bigger guy, so I'm just like, oh, great, this dude's going to be sitting between us. And so he's coming back. He walks past us. He was in a seat a couple of rows behind us, and then they closed the boarding. So not only did I get a hotel room to myself, but on the return flight, there was no one in the seat next to me. And don't give me, I don't hate people, but sitting next to people on a plane, you're packed in there pretty close, right? So that was, that was phenomenal. So I don't, like I said, you usually don't have that kind of good luck, but this time it was a great trip. You know, no trip to Nashville would be complete without a couple of things. Uh, first meeting Matt Carney, which I did not, that's where he lives. So I'm pretty bummed about that. But there is a food I've always wanted to try called Nashville Hot Chicken. And I guess this is the one bit of bad luck I had on the trip. I didn't get to, to experience it. They did give us um, some some Nashville barbecue. It was catered, so I'm not going to like judge all of Nashville barbecue on this one little barbecue sandwich I had. But it was pork because they don't really do brisket up there. Uh, but, you know, anyway, the the jury is is still out on Nashville barbecue, but incredibly skeptical. Let me just say that. So Nashville hot chicken. I really wanted some when I was there on the way back to the airport. We were going to stop there, but the, the restaurant was too crowded and we did, we had to get to the airport in order to, to fly out on time. So we didn't get Nashville hot chicken. So that is reason enough for me to go back someday because I want to experience like downtown Nashville. I want to run into Matt Carney at a coffee shop and become best friends with him. And so, so definitely going to go back to, to Nashville probably within the next two or three years just, just to hang out because I think it would be fun. But a food that I did eat that I had never known about, that I know about now, and I'm head over heels, let me tell you, hot honey. And if you don't know what hot honey is, you are in what I, the boat I was in a week and a half ago. That Somehow I went through my 28 years now of existence without knowing that this was real. This was actually a thing. But hot honey is basically honey infused with some kind of like pepper. I don't I looked up a recipe. I'm going to make it very soon. But we ate it on a pizza and let me tell you it was phenomenal. It was incredible. Hot honey. Who knew? Who knew that that spicy honey would be so great on a pizza? And I also heard you put it on like fried chicken, you put it on biscuits, you put it on ice cream, you put that crap on anything and it makes it better. So I'm going to make some hot honey here pretty soon within the next couple weeks, and I'll give you an update. I'll let you know how it is. But Hot Honey was created by a dude named Mike while he was touring through Brazil back in 2003. They had some version of it, and there was a pizza place, and he put it on the pizza and decided to bring it back to the U.S. And so when I first had it, I was like, oh, I guess this is like a super regional, like Nashville, southern kind of thing. And turns out that Mike was from Brooklyn, and that's where it took off in the U.S., but it has been popularized down in the South. And I guess it hasn't made its way to Texas, but I'm going to do my best to bring it here uh, to popularize it. So, man, hot honey. So, so delicious. And, and it, I'm kind of mad. Kind of mad that it's been around. It's been a thing for a number of years, and I'm just now finding out about it. I feel deprived. So, 
the the last thing I will note about going to Nashville, I, I was at a collegiate ministry conference with people from all across the U.S. It was really great. I learned a lot, uh, a lot, lot of useful stuff. Got a lot of free stuff too, free books, free journals, a couple free t-shirts. You know, it's a conference. They hook you up. They set you up. But something about myself, and this is just me being prideful as as Texans often are, but does anyone else who is a Texan, when you go to a place where there are a lot of non-Texans, do you just assume that everyone is jealous of you because you get to live in Texas? Because I, I, I am. In fact, the, the girl on the plane who was next to me, she asked me what my favorite thing about Texas was. And that's not a question you should ask a Texan because I will tell you everything I love about Texas. But really, the, the food... It's the perfect blend of like Southern. So we got that, that fried goodness. We have our very own style of barbecue. We do brisket, which is the, the superior form of barbecue. And no one else really even touches it that much. We have, uh, just, we're just close enough to Mexico to where we don't completely destroy Mexican food. You know, because you get too far away from Texas, they give you their version of Mexican food. And it's it's bland. It's not good. But Tex-Mex, ooh, let me tell you, that's some good stuff. We have Whataburger. I know other states have Whataburger too, but it started here. So Texas, just the food alone makes Texas the greatest place on the planet. And there's just so, just Texas culture, you know? Just the independence. And everything about Texas is just wonderful. So when I go to places where I'm surrounded by non-Texans, I always assume that they're jealous of me. Maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe that's prideful. Maybe I need to work on that. I don't know. But I love being from Texas, and I love living in Texas, and I ain't making any plans to leave anytime soon. Just to give you a little roadmap of where we're going, first, we're going to take a little break from theological stuff this week because we've got some other fun stuff to talk about. First, I'm going to tell you about a TV show I've been watching and the thoughts that it's making me have. It's about, like, survival situations, so we're going to talk about that. And at the end, because Matt Carney's new album is coming out in less than a week now, I'm going to go ahead and give you, you know, maybe you've heard me talk about him on the show before, and you're just like, oh, he's got so many albums. There's five of them. How am I going to choose which ones to listen to? Well, I've got you covered right here on Not A Christian Podcast. I'm going to give you some honorable mention songs of his, and then a top 10 list of Matt Carney songs to listen to, to really get into his music, and to get yourself hyped for his new album coming out. You don't want to miss it. Let's go ahead and jump into the first segment. I started watching a new TV show, and maybe I could do this from now on on the podcast, just give you recommendations on different stuff, because I know I talk about music a lot. I don't really talk about TV show or movies, mostly because I don't really have time to watch that much. I watch a lot of sports, so in the fall, I pretty much watch college football and playoff baseball, and that's it. In the spring, I watch baseball, but for being honest, most of you probably don't care about baseball, so I don't really watch much TV or movies, but over the past week, uh, you know, college ministry is kind of hitting that point where got got a little more free time. My evenings are mostly free, so I've watched a show called Alone, and it's a pretty good show. Basically what it is, is the first two seasons, which is, I've watched like a season and a half so far over the course of the past week, they they take like 10 people and they put them in the middle of nowhere. They're on like Vancouver Island off the west coast of Canada. And what they do 
is they just dump them off and they give them some survival gear. So everybody has standard gear that's issued to them. So like a couple of tarps, a knife, a certain amount of like sets of clothing. And then they're given a list of like 40 things and they're able to choose 10 from that list of 40 that, that they're able to get. And then they just survive as long as they can. They're given a satellite phone. So if they ever want to quit, they can just say like, hey, I'm, I'm tapping out and the rescue team will come get them. And basically the, the winner, the person that stays out the longest, gets half a million dollars. So that is a, it's a really great show. I, I'm watching it on Hulu. I think there's only one season of it on Netflix, but I think every season, uh, except for the most recent one, is, is on Hulu. So that'll keep me busy for a few weeks at least. Uh, but it's, it's, been, it's been awesome to watch. And you know I've learned a lot, not just about survival, but about just kind of like our need to interact with other people. A lot about how we deal with loneliness and things like that. So I've been watching that show. And as I was watching it, I thought it'd be a great thing to talk about on the podcast. So I kind of asked you guys on social media, you know, how, how long do you think you could survive if you were just given a basic, you know, set of, of tools, survival gear to use? And, and the answers varied. Some of you were very honest. So some people said like 48 seconds and I think like 12 minutes was another answer. Uh, one of my friends said 40 to 50 years. So you know what? Maybe, uh, but, but most people said like, oh, maybe a month or two. And, and I kind of agree with that. Uh, so when I was in high school, me and my friends, we were obsessed with a guy named Bear Grylls. Bear Grylls, I think he was in like the, the British military for a long time. And he's a survivalist. You've probably seen him or heard of him. He had a show called Man vs. Wild and he would teach like survival skills and he would put himself in these situations to show you how to get out of them. And yes, he had a camera crew and some of it was fabricated. He wasn't actually surviving, but that wasn't the point of the show. The point of the show was to entertain you and educate you. So I don't care for anybody who wants to slide into my DMs and say, you know, Bear Grylls show was fake. I know it was fake. It was good though. All right. But me and my friends, we were obsessed with watching Bear Grylls. And when I was like 17 years old, I was fully convinced that one day I would be stranded in the wilderness and I was going to need these survival skills. So, for, and I don't know why I thought that. I don't know what I thought I was going to do with my life. I didn't have a career choice at that point. And I don't, I, I don't know what situation I thought, what life situation would lead me to, to having to survive in the middle of nowhere someday. But anyway, that's, that's just what I thought. So I was convinced that one day I was going to have to use those those skills, and when I've and I've kind of long forgotten about that kind of almost longing to test my survival skills. I still love camping, but it's different. You know, you're always like in a safe place camping. So I decided to do a little activity here on the show where I would choose if I were stuck on a desert. So in alone, they're not stuck on a desert island. It's like a rainforest island. But I'm going to go with the more traditional desert island setting, and I'm going to choose five survival items that I would take plus one entertainment item. So on the show alone, I don't think they're really allowed an entertainment item, but I thought it would be fun to throw one in on the podcast. So five survival items that I would take with me on a desert island if I knew I was going to be stranded. And I kind of came up with some parameters. So if you want to play along at home, send me your list of stuff. Uh, but here's some parameters. You have you automatically have the clothes on your back, 
right? So basic stuff like pants, a shirt, maybe even a jacket, shoes, so you don't have to worry about bringing clothes as one of your five items. Another rule, no multi-tools. So, you know, you can't have something that's a knife and a screwdriver and a bottle opener and a can opener all in one. You can't have, I saw this other tool that was like a, like a, like a shovel and a hammer and all kinds. So I just, no multi-tools. Uh, that's, you know, just, just for fun. Just it's not going to allow that right now. Uh, no boats or rafts. So it's not like you could just paddle your way off the island. No guns. Uh, sure, that would be very useful, but it's, I don't know, it's kind of, kind of cheating. So no guns. Uh, no electronic communication devices, so cell phone, if you could get signal. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say no satellite phone. Just nothing that's going to allow you to electronically communicate with anyone in the outside world. Uh, nothing like a bag of something or a box full of something, so you can't say like, oh, I would just take a box full of survival gear or my big giant bag full of camping gear. Um, we're going to focus more on individual items. Uh, you can't take any food or drinks with you. And the last one, most important one, you don't just don't feel obligated to say you would bring a Bible. Okay. We all know you're a super Christian. I'm a super Christian too. And honestly, if that were not a rule, I would just bring five different translations of the Bible as my five survival items. And also my entertainment item would be like a Bible commentary. But, you know, we're super Christian. We get that. So we're just going to go ahead and say no Bibles. <laughs> so don't don't include that on your list. Uh, so I came up with a list, and this list had 10 things on it, and I had to narrow it down. And it was it was a hard list to narrow down. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the five li- the five items that almost made the list. The first on that list would have been my sixth item. I think this is, it almost beat another one out, but, but the first item that just didn't quite make the list would be a mirror, right? Because you're out there on the the desert island and you're not eating very many calories. You gotta, you gotta make sure you look good. Gotta make sure your, your beard is, is looking nice even though you don't have no i'm just kidding so a mirror in in this context would be used to like signal for help right so so you when the sun's out you see a boat or an airplane you shine you 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 let the sun hit that mirror and you shine it kind of towards the boat towards the plane and they see a flickering they see a shimmering off in the distance and oftentimes that's that's a signal for help but the reason why i didn't include it on my list was because you might could find something like that, like a piece of glass or something reflective, even um, if you have some kind of tool with like a blade on it that's reflective. So mirror, you, you're, you might be out there for a long time and a mirror would only be useful when you see, you know, something far off in the distance, which may not even happen. So that's the first item that didn't make the list. Second item that almost made the list was flares. Once again, this would be used for rescue only, not necessarily as a survival tool while you're on the island. Uh, but you could like shoot an animal with it, which would be pretty cool, but then you would not have it in case you needed to be rescued. But flares almost made the list, but not quite. The third thing that didn't quite make my top five was some kind of cordage. So like a rope or some nylon string, something like that where you can you know fasten things together, fashion a shelter uh, using rope or, or some kind of cords. That, that would be incredibly useful. You could do fishing lines. And, and the reason why this one didn't quite make the list was because you, you might could substitute some kind of rope for like, with like a vine or something like that, something to that degree. So it didn't quite make the list. Next up on the things that didn't make the list was a pot. 
not weed, you weirdos, a cooking pot or a pan uh, to boil water in, to cook food in, etc. And the reason why I didn't choose that was because uh, you could probably find something else to keep water in. You might find a piece of trash, like a water bottle that washed up on the beach, and you can cook your food over like an open fire, uh, like on a stick or something. So, so a cooking pot, while very useful, very helpful, almost made the list. That was a that was a hard cut. And the final thing that didn't make the list was a knife, and you'll you'll see why later. Uh, but a knife would be incredibly useful. Um, so that that goes well into the five items I would decide to bring. So here we go. T- starting well, no, it's not in any particular order, but because I wouldn't take a knife, instead the first item I would take is a machete. Uh, it's just like a big knife, almost like a sword, sort of. So a machete, you can cut things with it. You could probably clean fish with it, clean animals with it, cut up food with it, protect yourself with it. But you can also use it as kind of a tool to like cut down trees. Uh, to chop up some bigger stuff that you may not be able to with a knife. Rules of survival tell you that when you're in a survival situation, so trust me, I'm an authority on this. (laughs) Not really. Uh, But when you're in a survival situation, water and shelter are your first priorities, right? So my first thing I said I would definitely bring this was some kind of water purifier or a life straw. It's where you can drink water that you know fresh water that would not be safe to drink unless it was filtered so if you had some kind of water purification device or a life straw you could drink that water and and be safe you wouldn't have any bacteria in there that can make you sick make you diuretic and and dehydrate you even faster so some kind of water purification device is the first thing i bring so so water and shelter first priorities so the thing i would bring as a shelter i would bring some kind of tarp uh, so that's that's next on the list. So so far we have a machete, a water purifier, and a tarp. The tarp could be used as a tent. It could also be used as something to catch water. So if you're gonna take tools with you in a survival situation, it's good to have some multi-purpose tools. So the tarp once again could be used for shelter, keep you out of the rain, the wind, and the elements. But it can also be used to collect rainwater. Once again, when we were obsessed with Bear Grylls, me and my high school friends. We would go on camping trips with like, you know, church youth group or with our friends or whichever. And something else we would do that we learned from Bear Grylls was how to build like a shelter out in the woods. I still remember the first time we did it. It was like kind of by this creek and there was a steep embankment with dirt. So we decided to use that wall as one of the walls of our shelter. And we built like this this pretty good shelter. You know, we chopped down some little trees to use as support. We kind of wove together like the roof with like some branches and leaves and stuff. And all in all, I think it was a pretty good shelter. Uh, it didn't rain that night or anything. So honestly, we probably just could have slept outside in the open and we would have been fine. But the one thing we didn't do correctly was that we, we didn't like level out the floor of the shelter. So... Throughout the night in our sleeping bags, we would slowly like slide, like our feet were downhill. We would slowly slide downhill and eventually be out of the shelter. So I think we just kind of decided to sleep like a few feet away from the shelter where the ground was more level and we weren't sliding around all night. But anyway, we did that a bunch of times. In fact, I took a, high, a class in high school when I was a junior, I think, maybe sophomore. I don't quite remember. I think junior. Me and my buddy Nathan were in there. There were three people in this class, by the way. 
and this was like a range and wildlife management class and there was like some other elements thrown in there but for like one unit of the class we talked about like camping and survival type stuff and this was when when me and nathan were like way into that so so for our project we it was like a video project we decided we were going to make a shelter and so we went to like my parents house went out in the pasture and we made this we found this tree branch that was kind of low hanging but really sturdy and we leaned some some big bigger tree branches up against it and we covered it with like sticks and grass and and you know it was it was a pretty good looking shelter and i kid you not when i was down at my parents house for christmas uh the of, of course all the small branches and grass we used uh to close it in were gone but the main supports that we leaned up against there were still up and that was like 11 years later and that was just like five months ago that i saw that so it's it's still there that thing survived 11 years so i'm just saying you know i'm not a chump when it comes to building a shelter um so that's that's what i would do i would you know fashion my own shelter but also i would definitely use that tarp so so far we've got a machete a water purifier and a tarp after water and shelter your priorities are food and fire uh, because you can go a few days even a couple of weeks without food Um, and of course if you don't have food you're not going to have much need for a fire to cook your food Uh, fire can also offer you know warmth but we're in a desert island so warmth isn't an issue can also offer uh, a repellent towards animals so that's important so anyway food and fire are next so that brings me to my final two items i would take the first thing would be some kind of fishing net uh, preferably a gill net, so not like a little butterfly net where I would just dip it in the water and hope to catch a fish. But a gill net is basically like, I don't know, it's lo- it's probably like 15, 20 feet long, and it's got two poles on the end, so a big rectangle shape. And when the tide is low, you drive those poles into the ground, so the net is set up, and it looks like a tennis net, basically. And so the fish come in, they swim around during high tide. When the tide is low, they go back out to the water, and they try to squeeze through these holes in the net, and they get caught up in there and they can't escape. So that's that's what a gill net is. And that's what I would take because I'm watching alone. That's where they're getting their big supply of food from. Is that, you know, they're eating like these snails and seaweed and kelp. But every now and again, they'll catch a fish in their gill net. And that's when they eat good. So I realize on a desert island, there'd probably be like some fruit and stuff I could eat. But I think even still, a gill net would be very very valuable so that's my fourth item i would take final item i would take for fire would be what's called a ferro rod or a flint and steel it's it's a little tool that is used to to make a fire to create a spark and the reason i wouldn't choose matches honestly i thought matches were a little a little cheap in this little activity Uh, so i decided not to choose those or a lighter was a little cheap also a uh, flint and steel or ferro rod can get you like 5,000 lights. So that would last for a really, really long time. Uh, so those are my five items. Water purifier, a tarp, a machete, a ferro rod, and some kind of fishing net, gill net. And that leaves me with my entertainment item. Because something I noticed on season one of the show was the people that lasted the longest were the people that kept themselves occupied not necessarily with entertainment but there was this one guy who built a canoe to to go out and fish in 
and he built a yurt, which is like a form of shelter that was beyond just kind of the basic little tarp tent that most other people had. He even created like this musical instrument that he would play. It was like a little two-string ukulele type of thing. So morale is going to be key in these survival situations. You want to have some kind of hope. You want to have something to keep you busy. In fact, I won't spoil anything, but another one of the guys that made it really far, you know, he said that he was planning for the springtime, which was still two or three months away, and he was planning to plant a garden in the spring. And I think that's, that's what really helps these people survive is not just trying to get by day by day, but doing what you need to do day by day, but also making plans for the future. It's key to keeping morale up. So the thing is, with my entertainment item, it wouldn't be something that's like extremely active because you got to conserve your calories. Don't physically exert yourself more than you have to. Uh, so, but there are things on the island where you could make your own, you could make your own games. Like I was thinking like bocce ball. You ever played that? You could use like coconuts, rocks, whatever you wanted to use. Uh, you could, you could do a lot of stuff. You could get really creative. So what would my one entertainment item be? And I know this is like super boring, but my entertainment item would be a book. Uh, something to read and I realized I could get through it so it would be something like dense and something heavy that I could read multiple times without getting bored of so I decided that my book that I would take on a desert island and this is incredibly nerdy but if you've listened to the show this long this is just who I am it would be the New Testament in its world an introduction to the history literature and theology of the first Christians by N.T. Wright. This thing is like seven or 800 pages. It's huge, and it tells you pretty much anything you'll need to know in order to just learn what was going on around the time that Jesus walked the earth and around the time the Bible was written, and it would help you to under... So anyway, that's that's my book I would take. That's my one entertainment item. I know that's a little boring. Uh, kind of thought about a deck of cards, but that would get a little boring after a while. So it, while you're out on this desert island you might as well stimulate your mind might as well learn something because when you come back you can impress people be like yeah not only when i was on that island did i you know craft a shelter catch all my own food start my own fires but i also learned about the new testament (laughs) his church history wouldn't that be cool so so my item would be a book so the next thing i'm thinking about would be how long could i survive and because in the show alone, there's one thing about it that, and I get for the sake of the show, this is how they have to do it. But the one thing that is present in the show, like I, I mentioned earlier, they have a satellite phone and these people can just quit anytime they want. So some people quit like day one. I think on season two, uh, one guy quit before he even went to bed the first night. And on season one, within the first week, several people had already quit. But this would be different because in a survival situation like this, you don't have the option to quit because if you quit, you die. So I think I could survive a lot longer than I expect. So I would, so at at first I was thinking, you know what, I could probably go on the show alone. And, and the thing is the, the show alone, these aren't just like average Joes out there. People who have never, you know, even gone on a camping trip in their life. These people who are like ex-military, law enforcement, but have some kind of like survival expertise. So I'm sure they have to like apply and go through an application process. 
um, and a skills test to be on the show. And some of these people aren't even making it, you know, two or three days. So for me to say like I could survive longer than them, I realize is very presumptuous and it's, it's probably arrogant. And, you know, a lot of people quit early because they're scared of bears. Like this one guy just like saw bear poop or a bear track and he was like, no, I can't do this. I'm not going to stay. So, so for me to say like, yeah, I could survive a month or two months. I have no idea how long I would make it on a show like alone, but I feel like if I were in a situation where I had to survive, I have enough knowledge. I have enough willpower to survive a lot longer than I might expect. So the other thing I've kind of realized you have to be psychologically strong. And let me just tell you, your boy lived through the COVID 20, COVID 20, COVID 19. Oh gosh, let's hope COVID 20 doesn't happen. But I lived through the COVID 19 early days of the pandemic when everything was locked down in Alpine, Texas. And the place I lived at the time was literally like a studio apartment. I live, I survived that whole thing in like one bedroom, only leaving like significant amounts of time for like once every two or three weeks. So I feel like I would be an advantage because a lot of these people on this TV show, their biggest thing is how much they miss like their wife and their kids. And I wouldn't have to deal with that. Sure, I have family, but I'm used to living away from that family. I've gone, you know, weeks at a time without seeing my family. So I think psychologically, I might have an advantage on that show is because your boy's been alone through a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've got experience. I've learned how to deal with it. Um, and, and, and finally, I guess, like, necessity is the mother of invention. So I think, like, when you set your mind to something, you can do a lot more than you think. So if you would be in a survival situation to say like, I wouldn't last a day out there, I think you could. So when I'm saying I could last like a month or two months, I don't know, it might be a lot longer than that. Or maybe it's like a lost situation. You know, when when we end up living for years on the island and we meet some other people and we do some crazy time travel and all this business. But Necessity is the mother of invention, and I think if it really comes down to it and you need to survive, you can. So that's that's my take on, on survival. Uh, not really something I was expecting to talk about on the show, but we talk about anything on this show. And I think like maybe a big spiritual takeaway that I have from the show alone, because I'm a super Christian and I can take spiritual takeaways from anything, is like how we are meant to live in community with other people. And I'm an introvert. I've shared that on the show before. So maybe you're an introvert, you can relate. And sometimes you want to go out in the wilderness and just get lost for a while and, and not be around people. I completely understand that. But also, a year ago, man, there were some lonely times in my life because I was not having, you know, I'd go seven, eight, nine days at a time without having like meaningful social interactions with people. And that wears on you. So I think just if, if I've learned anything from that show, it's just been, we're made to be communal creatures. We're made to be with other people. And yes, maybe your community of people, you like for it to be smaller or more exclusive. And I get that, but without community, man, it's, it's really hard. Uh, we were meant to be in relationship with other people. We were meant to like survive with other people. 
So I think I think that's incredible because that was the hardest part for most of these people. And I think it might have just sounded like I said fart. That was the hardest part for most of these people. <laughs> the hardest fart. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but the hardest thing about it was just the, the separation from other people and the isolation and the loneliness. And I think that's kind of the one of the craziest things to take away from this show. Uh, so with all that being said, hope you enjoyed that segment. Let's go ahead and transition to the next one. All right, you guys, it is time to make this announcement is that this will be the last episode of Not a Christian Podcast in a world without Matt Carney's newest album. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah, we're not going anywhere anytime soon, but you know what is coming in hot into this world? Next Friday, Matt Carney's newest album, January Flower. And I talked about in one of the earliest episodes of the show about how I don't listen to singles anymore. I wait for the entire album to come out. Matt Carney has released like five or six songs from his newest album as singles over the past since October the past seven months and I have resisted listening to them this whole time and it has been one of the biggest tests of self-discipline I've ever gone through new Matt Carney music has been in the world for seven months and I and I haven't listened to it yet But that experience that I have next Thursday night at 11 o'clock, because while albums typically come out on Fridays, because I live in Central Time Zone, they come out like on Spotify and whatnot at 11 o'clock. You better bet next Thursday night at 11 o'clock, I'm going to be listening to that album. So if you're up Thursday at 11, give it a listen. If you're up Friday, wake up, listen to Not A Christian Podcast first, and then give that album a listen or honestly, actually, I don't even care. Listen to the album first. I'm giving you permission. <laughs> but I'm doing this segment now because next week the new the new music is going to be out there in the world. And at the time of recording, I wouldn't have listened to it. But at the time that podcast is releasing next Friday on May 21st, I will have listened to that album probably multiple times through. So for this segment, what I decided to do is, you know, I've talked about Matt Carney a lot on the show. Talked about how much I love his music, talked about how I met him once, and how I wanted to move to Nashville just so I might run into him and become his best friend someday. <laughs> so this this segment, we're going to be talking about the top 10 Matt Carney songs, but as always, I've got an honorable mention list as well. So I sat down and I just kind of created a list of my favorite Matt Carney songs, and really the way it worked out, there were about four to five per album, which which worked out to... 20 songs because he's got five albums uh, to date and my friend Nate he suggested we did our next tournament would be a Matt Carney song tournament and while I would love that I'm not sure if some of you would appreciate it quite as much as you have the other tournaments if you're a more casual fan of Matt Carney maybe you wouldn't even know some of the songs that were in the tournament so we're just gonna we're just gonna settle it right here on this episode so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go through each album and give you two honorable mentions from each album and then we'll get to the top 10 list so starting out in 2006 from his nothing left to lose album the first honorable mention is 
undeniable. And the second honorable mention is Where Are We Gonna Go From Here? Matt Carney's first album, Nothing Left to Lose, was an acoustic album with kind of these hip-hop influences, which for especially at that time was was really different than, than what anybody else was doing. And the songs Undeniable and Where Are We Gonna Go From Here both kind of have different elements of that. Undeniable is kind of a definitely you can definitely tell there's hip-hop influence and where we're going to go from here is one of those more acoustic tracks so that album is is really good and those are my my two honorable mentions from that album then in 2009 we have city of black and white album from matt carney and this song was more nashville acoustic singer songwriter type really phenomenal album i think it's when matt carney really kind of came into his own but the two honorable mentions from that are New York to California and Closer to Love. And both of these songs were very close. I'd say these songs were probably like 11 and 12 on the, on the list. Um, just such phenomenal songs. Love them both. So that's why they're, they're honorable mention. Next up, from 2011's Young Love album, the, the two honorable mentions are Young, Dumb, and In Love and Sooner or Later. This album, Matt Carney kind of started to not really get away from his singer-songwriter roots, but added elements of like, like I guess more elements of hip-hop, more elements of like, more I guess more production in his music. And I ain't gonna lie, I love it. Matt Carney can do no wrong in my eyes. Uh, so these songs are absolutely wonderful. That's why they're honorable mention for the Young Love album. And in, so that was in 2011. And I became a Matt Carney fan probably in like 2012. And that was just, I listened to, to one of the songs I'll talk about later. Um, it, was, it was really popular for a while. And so Matt Carney officially became my favorite in like 2014. So I listened to him for a couple of years before he became my favorite. And the next album, Just Kids, came out in 2015. So from that album, it might be, my, it probably is my favorite Matt Carney album. So these, these two songs are both fantastic. Uh, that, so from the Just Kids album, my favorite songs, or sorry, my honorable mentions are Heartbreak Dreamer and One Heart. Uh, Heartbreak Dreamer, the first time I saw Matt Carney, he opened with this song. And this song ends with like a spoken word poem, which is really cool. It's not by Matt Carney, but it's it's by some other dude that I don't remember his name. But, but I'm a big fan of poetry. Uh, if you follow me on social media, you know, I like to post my own original poetry every now and again but spoken word is really cool i've never done it but i've always loved listening to it so heartbreak dreamer ends with this spoken word but in the in the first time i ever saw matt carney like over the speakers right before he came out on stage he played this spoken word poem and then went into the song heartbreak dreamer so like this song just has memories tied with it um it's absolutely incredible and the song one heart uh once once again just a great song love the lyrics to it so that's from the just kids album from 2015 and finally from his most recent album crazy talk in 2018 the two honorable mentions from this song are memorized and kings and queens once again matt carney kind of changed his style uh as he does with every album every album sounds incredibly different from the other ones yet he makes it all sound absolutely amazing so Crazy Talk was kind of a hip-hop influence, kind of house, music, tropical vibes. Uh, really good. So Memorized and Kings and Queens, probably the two more, more famous songs that came out of this album, but not quite my favorite ones off 
the album. So that moves us into the top 10. And let me just tell you, this was very difficult. There was, you know, every single one of those songs over in the audible mention, all 10 songs could have made the top 10. Uh, but anyway, here, here we go with the top 10 coming in. The 10th best Matt Carney song is Nothing Left to Lose, the title track from his debut album. Nothing Left to Lose is just a simple kind of acoustic song, kind of the one that put Matt Carney on the map, still one of the ones that he plays in every live show, and and for good reason. It's it's one of his favorites that he wrote. I've I think I've heard him say that in interviews. Um, and it's just all around really great song. My 10th favorite Matt Carney song coming in at number nine off the city of black and white album is all I have. And this, this whole album city of black and white is one that I've really started to appreciate a lot more lately. And, you know, usually when one of my favorite artists is coming out with a new record, uh, I like in the days and weeks leading up to it to, to listen to all their old stuff in order to get prepared. And that's what I've been doing. And I've realized the city of black and white, even though I've listened to songs from that album time and time again, I've been sleeping on that album. It really is phenomenal. Uh, so that's why all I have comes in at number nine. Coming in at number eight, one of the newer songs on the list, Face to Face. This is one of the, the more like, so Matt Carney is a Christian. He's not a Christian artist. He's an artist that happens to be Christian. That's why I love him so much. That's what my podcast is all about. That's the basis for for what we're doing here. So <laughs> Face to Face is one of the more spiritual songs um, that he's released. If you just, just listen to the lyrics, there's obviously some influences you know, from his faith, from his experience and relationship with God. Uh, that's from the Crazy Talk album at number eight. And also from the Crazy Talk album, is, number seven is Better Than I Used to Be. This was the first, this was back when I still listened to singles before I had been enlightened by, you know, listening to whole albums and becoming a vinyl record collector. But from his Crazy Talk album, Better Than I Used to Be, coming in at number seven. This is just like a really good love song that it's catchy. It's got like cool, meaningful lyrics. Definitely one of the highlights from Matt Carney uh, in, in all of his catalog for me. That's why it comes in at number seven. Coming in at number six from the Just Kids album, my favorite Matt Carney album most likely, the song Moving On. Of all the Matt Carney songs that he plays live, this one might be my favorite because it's got such like a pronounced bass line. And Matt Carney's bassist that he takes, that he's he's been on every Matt Carney tour that I've been on, uh, he's a show in and of himself. In fact, last time, so my buddy Nathan and I, hey, talking about him again, uh, that I built shelters with. We've also gone to a couple Matt Carney concerts. And the first one we went to, we noticed like this bassist really gets into it. Like he's dancing around on stage. There's even a time when like the bassist, you know, does like a, a backflip on the stage. It's really cool. So we, we were like the first ones there. We got VIP tickets. We set up on the rail, but we didn't set up center stage. So Matt Carney would be right in front of us. We set up like halfway between center stage and the right side of the stage or stage left, I guess, if you're doing it from their perspective, because we wanted to be close to the bassist because he was fun to watch too. And the bass in this song is incredible. That's why it comes in at number six. Coming in at number five, also from the Crazy Talk album, the best song from that album, in my opinion. Uh, and, And I might add that the top five, there's one from each album. I didn't necessarily plan it that way. That's just the way it worked out. So the best song from the Crazy Talk album, Sleeping at the Wheel. 
it's got like this weird African like lady that they sample. Um, and it's just, it's just a cool song. It's got a nice bass groove to it. Uh, the lyrics to me are very meaningful. Uh, this kind of, I kind of got into this song at a time when, when it felt like, you know, I was kind of quote unquote sleeping at the wheel. It's like you're going through the motions, but you're not really feeling it. Just really, really meaningful lyrics in my opinion. That's why it comes in at number five. Coming in at number four from the Young Love album, the, the gateway song that first got me into Matt Carney, Ships in the Night. And it's definitely Matt Carney's most famous song, and I can't deny it is so, so good that I put it at number four. It's got that hip-hop influence. It's got that singer-songwriter acoustic Nashville influence. It's pretty much, it pretty much epitomizes like what makes Matt Carney, Matt Carney, why I love his music. It's such a great song. The best song from the Young Love album, in my opinion, the most well-known song, and for good reason. I first started listening to this song my freshman year of college. Really liked it. Didn't really get into any other Matt Carney stuff until a few months later and a couple of years later. Like I said, dove, dove right in. Ships in the Night coming in at number four. And that leads us to the top three coming in at number three. One of the first songs that I was obsessed with in the middle from Matt Carney's Nothing Left to Lose album. This song flies under the radar. Uh, I've heard him play it once at a live show and I really wish he would play to every live show because it's it's amazing both musically and lyrically it's just it's just a great song and and once again it's just a song you can you can relate to uh that's why it comes in at number three coming in at number two from the Just Kids album the title track Just Kids this is one of Matt Carney's most hip-hop influenced songs, and it's just like a slow jam. It reminds you of something from like the early 90s. Just Kids, it's it's nostalgic, and it's everything that, that the entire album was, was trying to portray. And in fact, the first show I went to, I remember during this song, I, I made some kind of like eye contact with Matt Carney while he was singing it. Uh, there's a there's a portion where he's like, I can see it in the way we try. I can see it in the way we fly. We made some eye contact during that, and it was like it was like a moment between us, you know. Uh, so so a lot of good memories uh, tied to that song. That's why it comes in at number two. And finally, coming in at number one. And let me tell you, if you were to ask me, like before I really sat down, you know, I went through like on Spotify and just I just started writing down like which from each album what are the best four or five songs and this song coming in at number one I wasn't surprised to see it on that list but whenever I started to like rank these when I moved some over to the honorable mention I'm like okay this song's in the top 10 not a surprise there I just kind of came to a realization of like wow I don't know if this is the most obvious choice but it's definitely my favorite Matt Carney song and I probably wouldn't have said it like a month ago, but like I said, I've been getting way back into Matt Carney lately in preparation for January Flower coming out next Friday. I'm not getting paid to promote this. Uh, I just love Matt Carney that much, and I want everybody else to know. <laughs> so the the City of Black and White album is the album this song is from. And the more I listen to it, the more I realize, like, this is incredible songwriting. And, and the song is Fire and Rain. And this song... He plays it within the first three songs of, of every live show I've been to, and it's just, it's incredible. It's an amazing song, and I 
couldn't do it justice by just trying to describe it. That's why I'm hoping you'll see this list. You'll go through and listen to the best of the best when it comes to Matt Carney. But if you're looking to do that and you've only got time for one song, I would suggest Fire and Rain from the City of Black and White album because it's it's incredible. And it's got every, it's a perfect song. It's got everything you need. It's got kind of like some slower parts, some more upbeat parts. It's got meaningful lyrics. It's, it's powerful. And it's my favorite Matt Carney song, Fire and Rain. Who knew? So that's my list, my honorable mention list, plus my list of, of top 10 Matt Carney songs. Maybe you don't give crap. Maybe you didn't even, maybe you're, maybe most people checked out by now. So if you're still here, thanks for listening to me ramble about Matt Carney. Gosh, just in less than a week's time, we're going to have a new album. And some of those songs are probably going to find their way onto this list. I'm excited. Maybe there's going to, maybe a while from now, you know, there's going to be a new number one. And I'm not going to go ahead and like amend this list next week because of like recency bias. So that of course the new songs are the ones that you love the most. And you'll be like, oh yeah, these are going to be the, the top ones. But you know, time will tell. And it's going to be a, be a fun, cool, exciting ride. So next Friday, or technically Thursday night at 11 p.m. Central Standard Time, go listen to Matt Carney's new album. Let me know what you think. Let me know what your favorite songs are. I can't wait uh, to listen to it. But for now, let's go ahead and transition to the closing. Hey guys, thank you so much for being here today, for choosing to spend like an hour with me. Let me know what you want to hear in the future of the show. Let me know what you thought about today's show. But for now, that's all the evangelical filth I've got for you. That's a wrap and that's a frat snap. Next time I promise I'll do just a little bit better later. <laughs>